Today on The Voice of Prophecy, I'm going to pick up a subject that we've talked about before and I'm going to tell you about a single tweet, as in a Twitter tweet, a single tweet that told a much bigger story than the tweeter probably intended. And wouldn't you know it, her story might just be your story. So I don't think you're going to want to miss this. Okay, right at the top of today's program, I'm going to admit it. I love social media, and I probably spend way too much time on Twitter. Actually, I used to spend a lot of time on Facebook, too, but then I eventually ditched Facebook because, well, number one, they kept changing the terms of service and the privacy settings, and number two, I just couldn't keep up with Facebook. I mean, every night when I got home, my inbox would be stuffed full of messages from people who wanted me to explain a Bible verse or help them solve an ethical problem or do something that you just can't do in a paragraph or two. And because I couldn't get back to everybody, people started to get irritated. So I just shut it down. And now today I'm Facebook free. I I broke the chains and walked away from Facebook. But Twitter? Well, I, I have to admit, I still kind of have a problem with Twitter. Now, most days I can keep up with it, and I don't have to respond to all the questions that come in, and the Twitter crowd kind of seems to understand that you don't always get a response. So, I'm still in Twitter, I like Twitter, but I'll admit Twitter is the Wild West, and kids, if you're listening, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Just remember this, whatever you post in Twitter, whatever you put in Instagram, that goes out to the whole world, and once it's out there on the web, it stays there forever. And if you're okay with that, fine. But don't forget, everybody sees it, and it never goes away. And frankly, that's okay with me. I can live with that. I understand that what I say goes everywhere, and I understand that it could be misunderstood. But what's interesting to me is the way some people read what you put online, and they think you said it to them personally, as if you were actually thinking about them when you said it, even if you've never met this person even if you had no idea they were even following you on Twitter. Look, I'll give you an example, something that happened a few months ago, and I think it's probably safe to talk about this now because the person who tweeted me actually pulled it down a couple of hours later, and so you can't go back to my Twitter feed and figure out who it was. So this is now entirely anonymous. You might remember, here, here, let me set the stage. Here's how it happened. You might remember early in 2014 that Eric Lawson died. And if you don't remember that, if that name doesn't ring a bell... It should ring a bell because he was the Marlboro man back in the 1970s. And now that I told you that, most of you over the age of 40 can suddenly see this guy, right? The good-looking rugged cowboy out on the range, cooking over a fire, watching the sunset. And then this voice breaks into the commercial and tells you what the magic of being a cowboy is all about. You remember the ads now? Is it coming back to mind? Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro country. Now, I can't do it like their narrator did it. That's my best version. Come to Marlboro country. Now, if you're under 40, you you probably don't remember this. And for sure, you won't remember when smoking was mainstream and even the Flintstones were doing commercials for Winston cigarettes, if you can believe it. Now, if you don't believe that, just go look it up on YouTube. It'll blow you away. I mean, it's Barney Rubble selling cigarettes saying, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. And anyway, I'm getting off topic. Aaron Lawson comes from that generation, and he just died in 2014. And what did he die from? Any guesses? Any wild guesses? He died from COPD. 
chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That is a smoking-related illness. So surprise, surprise, Mr. Lawson died from smoking. Actually, he, he made it to the age of 72, which isn't too bad. But we still know it was his smoking habit that got him in the end. Now, to Mr. Lawson's credit, he actually came out against smoking. And if I remember this correctly, he did anti-smoking commercials that were actually a parody of the Marlboro ads. In the end, he knew smoking was bad for you, so he did something about it. He tried to turn the attitudes around. He tried to convince people to stop smoking. And I don't know if you can find that parody on YouTube somewhere. Maybe it's out there because pretty much everything in the universe now ends up on YouTube somewhere. It's worth a look if you can find it. But the bottom line is this. Eric Lawson is dead, and his smoking killed him. And the day they made the announcement, I sent out a tweet. Now, I confess... Maybe I was a little bit insensitive. My wife will tell you that's a distinct possibility. I can be insensitive. But, but here's what I tweeted. Guess what killed the Marlboro Man? And then I posted a link to the news story. Now, frankly, I thought that was pretty clever in my own little way. And I, I thought that since we all know now that smoking kills you, it was no big deal. But obviously, I stepped on somebody's toes because I got a response in just a few minutes. Actually, I got more than one response, but one tweet was really interesting. One person actually tweeted back that what Carol killed Eric Lawson was, quote, the stress of being judged by fellow Christians. That's why I smoke, brother. That, that's what the tweet said. Now, I have no idea what prompted that response. And the problem with Twitter is that 140 characters don't really give you any context for what people are saying. So, Maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was a flippant remark. Or it might have been somebody who suffered a lot of criticism at the hands of so-called Christians. And if that's true, if that's what happened, I do want to apologize. I wasn't personal. I wasn't thinking about you. And when it comes to living with criticism, I get that. I mean, I completely get living with criticism. I can understand how tiring that is because there's not a single week goes by when I don't get a whole bunch of critical letters in the mail. I mean, there's always something I say that steps on somebody's toes, and you'd be amazed at how many people tell me every single week I'm on my way to hell, or that I'm horrible at what I do, or if I were smarter or better looking or more cultured, I probably would be a better person. And No doubt about it, I, I have lots of room for improvement. But you would be surprised at some of the mail I get. In fact, sometimes it gets really personal, and sometimes people even chicken out and they won't even bother to sign their name. So... Yeah, I get it. I know what it's like to live under a microscope. I know what it feels like when people think that your life is their business. So on that front, if that's what drove that tweet, if you've been living under the constant surveillance of a bunch of busybodies who love to tell you that you're doing things wrong, then yeah, you know what? I get it. I get it. And I'm sorry. I mean, you've been struggling with who knows what, and you're tired of people telling you that you're doing life wrong. And so when you see a preacher telling the world on Twitter that smoking killed the Marlboro man, and maybe you actually still happen to be smoking, I guess you might feel like my tweet was a sermon directed at you. And so for the record, here in front of the world, it wasn't. I don't know you. I don't think we've ever met. And the reason I pointed out that smoking killed the Marlboro man is that I will always be in the business of telling people that smoking kills you. This is not God's will for your life. And if preachers stop preaching because somebody's doing what they're preaching about, well, there would never, ever be another sermon. You know, I, I don't mean it personally, but it is my job to tell people when something is killing them. 
And with smoking, I don't think we're waiting for the jury to come back. I don't think it could be any clearer. Now, now does that mean that I don't understand what it's like to struggle with a habit? Well, actually, as a matter of fact, I do. Everybody struggles with something. And the truth is, in my younger years, I actually smoked. I, I did it. I know what this is about. And I have all kinds of sympathy for people who struggle with destructive habits. I understand the reasons that people fall back on these habits. But it doesn't mean you're stuck with it. It doesn't mean you don't have a choice. And it doesn't mean that God can't give you something better. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back in a minute because what I really want to look at, and I'm sorry I'm picking on one tweet, but this really fascinates me because it underlines this widespread tendency we have to just pass the buck all the time and blame other people. And this goes so much deeper than smoking or, or any one particular thing. So after the break, what I really want to do is look at this idea that other people are to blame for our own destructive habits and decisions. Is that really how the universe works? And to what extent can you pin blame on other people? I don't think you're going to want to miss this. So don't you go away. I'm coming right back. Life and its daily challenges can weigh us down, even when we have the best of intentions, leaving us with more questions than answers. Is it possible to have true peace and happiness in life? Are you searching for answers to this and other of life's most challenging questions? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7922 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online or on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like The Secret of Happiness and Is God Fair? You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. I don't know if you remember the church lady back in the 80s on Saturday Night Live, and frankly, I'm kind of hoping you don't remember the church lady because it's not really the best material for a Christian mind. But if you do happen to remember the church lady, it was this character played by Dana Carvey, a, a church lady who loved to pin the blame for everything on Satan. Now, honestly, I thought the sketch was in bad taste, even though I wasn't even a Christian at the time. And frankly, I still think a lot of SNL is just bad taste and cheap laughs. But, but if you remember the church lady, she was always asking, who made you sin? And she would say, could it be Satan? And, and it kind of seemed like Dana Carvey was rushing in where angels fear to tread. He was making fun of the whole idea that there are dark influences at work in this world. He was making light of a very serious subject. But inadvertently, he was also raising an important point. I mean, to what extent can you blame someone else for the things you do? A few weeks ago, I saw a tweet from someone who said the reason they smoke is because of the stress caused by the Christians who judge them. So is there any merit to that idea? I mean, can Christians cause people stress? Yeah, they can. I would love to pretend that Christians are always the nicest people in the world, but sometimes Christians can be absolutely horrible. I mean, they can really hurt your feelings. They can meddle, they can gossip, they can turn on you, they can humiliate you, they can make you wish you'd never join the church. And that's the truth. And the reason it's true is because Christians are human beings. 
They have not achieved perfection, even though some of them appear to think they have. They haven't become God, even though some of them behave like they have. They're just average people with the same faults as you and me, trying to learn more about God and trying to follow Him more closely. And honestly, some of them just fail, and some of them are just so nasty, they leave behind a long trail of victims, people whose feelings are crushed. So, could that be stressful? Yeah, it is stressful. I was saying just before the break that it happens to me. I get these nasty, nasty letters from people who are forever trying to set me right. And while I've got pretty thick skin, I'd be lying if I told you it never got to me. Because I'm a human being too, and and sometimes my feelings get hurt. Sometimes it makes me wonder what rights strangers have to get so personal. So the question is not really whether or not people are going to act like jerks. You can count on that. That is going to happen. The real question is what you do with it. You know, one of the things that I really like about the Bible, one of the things I really take comfort in is the fact that Jesus had a really rough home life. At least that's the way the Gospels tell it. If anybody was ever misunderstood, if anybody was ever abused unnecessarily, if anybody was ever raked over the coals, you got to admit, it's Jesus. I mean, just think about the stuff he had to live through. When he showed up at the synagogue in Nazareth in his own hometown, they took him out to the edge of a cliff and they tried to toss him off. His own people tried to kill him. And why? Because he told the truth. And when it was time for the annual Feast of Tabernacles, the Gospel of John tells us that his own family, his own brothers, were mocking him and daring him to go to the festival and perform his miracles publicly. They taunted him. I mean, just listen to this. This is in John chapter 7. Now, the Jews' Feast of Booths was at hand. This is John 7, verse 2. Now, the Jews' Feast of Booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, that almost sounds like they're trying to help Jesus, like trying to launch his ministry. But listen to the next verse in verse 5. It says, For not even his brothers believed in him. Now, let that sink in. I mean, really think about this. It says, Not even his brothers, which kind of makes it sound like nobody believed him. Not even his brothers. So, you know Jesus understands rejection. You know that he knows what it feels like. And he had people lie about him, and he had people say some really rude things about him. In fact, they even said he was possessed at one point. They twisted his words, and eventually they killed him. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Jesus understands what it's like to live with people. He gets what it's like to live under constant surveillance, to live with constant criticism. I remember this poem a preacher friend of mine used to recite before I lost him to cancer some years ago. He used to say, Sean, to live with the saints in heaven, that will be glory. To live with them here on earth, that's another story. (laughs) So you can see, rude people, hurtful people, that's nothing new. And if every one of us were to take a long, hard look at ourselves, I think we'd find that everybody's guilty. I mean, who hasn't said something hurtful? Who hasn't been rude? Who hasn't been thoughtless? It's just a part of who we are, unfortunately, and if we were to suddenly rid the world of all the people who had ever hurt someone, the planet would be empty. I'd be gone, you'd be gone, not a single survivor. So it's not a matter of if someone's going to be judgmental. It's not a matter of if somebody's going to hurt you. You can count on that. I mean, if you live anywhere past early childhood, this is going to happen. And I'm not trying to minimize how much this hurts. What I'm really driving at is what you're supposed to do with this. I mean, how do you handle it? 
If your method of dealing with stress is smoking, then you really need to assess what you're doing because the solution for being hurt is not self-destruction. I know that's what we do. I know that some people seem to punish themselves when someone else hurts them. But if you smoke or whatever your habit is, if you do that to deal with the stress of other people, if that's your way of dealing with feeling judged, then you got to have to think about what you're allowing those people to do. I mean, not only were they hurtful, but now you're letting those same people destroy your life and quite literally. And yes, I believe that God will absolutely hold people accountable for the way they treat you. You can count on that. Everybody faces a reckoning. In fact, according to the book of Ezekiel, even the devil gets destroyed because of his role in making your life miserable. God understands. He knows what people do, and he knows what effect it's having on you. In fact, God is quite explicit about the fact that he sees you and he knows what you're dealing with. In Psalm 56, verse 8, the Bible says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. In other words, God sees it all. There's not a single moment, there's not a single hurtful incident, there's not a single tear you shed that God does not notice. And one day, he says, he's going to set the record straight. And I'll come back after a quick break to tell you all about that. But right now, just grab a pen and paper and get ready to jot down some really important information because we have got a phenomenal offer for you. And then I'll come right back. Are you searching for answers to life's most difficult questions? Answers to help you make sense of the things that are happening right now in your life? Answers to the deepest questions in life like, can God really forgive me? Guilt and shame can be terrible burdens to carry and can leave us wondering if God really can love us and accept us. Are you wondering if there really is a chance for true happiness in this life? If there is a secret to living a happy, contented life in a world of uncertainty? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7922, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. You'll find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and From Guilty Sinner to Forgiven Saint. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides as the major themes of the Bible come to life. Begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today to BibleStudies.com. And we're back from the break. And just before we took that break to tell you about our Discover Bible School, I was talking about the way that self-professing Christians can really hurt people when they insist on meddling, when they try to recreate people in their own image instead of leaving them alone with God and letting God recreate us in His image. And, and we were talking about the fact that God doesn't miss one such hurtful incident. He watches it. He sees it happen. And we know biblically, he will hold people accountable for the damage they do to others. So you don't have to worry about that. 
You don't have to worry about whether or not God saw it. He did. And just before the break, we saw in the book of Psalm, Psalm 56, that every one of your tears has been collected in God's bottle. Every incident written in his book, God knows it happened. So you can leave what happened with God. You can leave those hurtful people with God. He knows the best way to their hearts, and he knows the best way to deal with them. So leave those people behind for a moment, and let's talk about you. Let's talk about how you're going to respond when somebody causes damage in your life, when somebody causes you undue stress, when somebody hurts you. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Go back to that time when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, something they knew they shouldn't do. And you'll notice they tried to pin the blame on somebody else. That's human nature. Adam said, what, me eat the fruit? Not my fault, God. It's, it's my wife's fault. It's this woman you gave me. So he blames Eve and he blames God. And God goes to Eve, is this true? And Eve says, well, it's not really me. The devil made me do it. And, and of course, in, in a way, the devil was responsible. I mean, he, he suggested the sin and he told a lie and coerced. He didn't coerce, but he, he influenced people to do the wrong thing. And yet you'll notice in God's opinion, that doesn't justify what they did. You might be able to point to a negative influence in your life. You might be able to point to extenuating circumstances, and those might be very real. And God will understand. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you are still responsible for you. And when you turn to destructive habits to deal with stress... When you kill yourself slowly, I mean, let's be honest about what's happening. When you kill yourself slowly in order to deal with unhealthy relationships, you're actually giving those people a bigger win than they were even trying for. Not only did they get to you emotionally, which can be physically damaging all by itself, but now you are heaping all sorts of additional abuse on your own body. And in the long run, you're the one who's making things worse. You're the one who's taking matters one step further. You're the one who's actually driving in the coffin nail. And so, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, there does come a point when you just don't care anymore. You don't care if it kills you. All you know is that it's easing the pain right now. So some people turn to smoking, other people drink, some people medicate themselves with junk food, but I'm telling you, there are better ways to cope. You don't have to let these people win. You don't have to let them ruin every last corner of your life. I mean, first of all, just remember, again, God is keeping track. We've already seen that. Psalm 56, right? Every tear you've shed. It's all been recorded. He knows. And he knows what other people did. And if you read the book of Revelation chapter 21, it's one of my favorite passages. You'll see God actually promises he will personally wipe away your tears. Right? It says it in Revelation 21 verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. So you know that God sees it. You know that he cares. But at the same time for right now as we wait for Jesus to come, you have a life to live and that life is yours. It doesn't belong to anybody else. And it's time to stop letting other people take the wheel. It's time to stop giving control of your life to others. This is your life. God gave it to you as a gift. Forget what other people think. It only matters what God thinks. And honestly, if you're giving the wheel to other people, if you're letting them drive, you're not being faithful with the gift that God gave you. I mean, just, just listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 
I mean, look, I don't really need to preach. It's not really in the 21st century. We, we know which habits are killing us, and it's time to go and get the help you need. Your doctor knows all sorts of ways you could get on top of this. You don't have to fight alone. We live in a world where all kinds of people are willing to help you. But first, you have to stop making excuses and realize your life is a gift from God to you. This is yours. There's only one life, and it's up to you how it goes from now on. You see, God intends for you to be a gift from Him to the whole world, but for that to happen, you're going to have to take the wheel. You're going to have to realize this is just you and God. Those destructive habits are no way to handle God's property. That's no way to treat a gift from the Creator. And you'll notice, when Jesus was abused, He didn't speak a word. Right? It cost God a huge price to buy you. That price was high, and Jesus didn't argue, he didn't speak a word, he didn't fight back, he didn't even hold what we did against us. In fact, he went all the way to the cross to give you the gift of this life. Now, I know this is a lot of talking on the heels of a single tweet. Never did I ever imagine that I could fill a whole show with 140 characters, but this really triggered a lot of thinking on my part. You just can't say that you have to destroy yourself because of what other people do. If that's how you approach life, they will keep destroying you until they bury you way too young. And even worse, the years you did have. Those people stole those from you too because you lived those years in misery. And I, I know I didn't even come close to addressing this whole issue. And maybe I actually frustrated some people more than I helped, so maybe I should dedicate a whole show one of these days to explaining God's plan for beating a destructive habit. I'll, I'll have to work on that. But I do know it doesn't have to be this way. And please, folks, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, if that's how you're going to present yourself to the world, then please, please, please just leave people alone. Most people are grown-ups. They know if they're doing something wrong. You're not really helping them by bringing it up all the time. You know, some people I talk to are actually afraid to go to church because they can't take it anymore. They can't handle all the well-meaning but unwanted advice, all the pointers that people like to give, all the wisdom they love to share. I mean, shouldn't there be one place where people can just go and be in the presence of God? Can't there be one place where you don't have to put on a show? Believe me, if it's a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, people will get all the correction they need from the pulpit. And from the pulpit, you're not singling anybody out. It's just the Word of God, and it will land where it needs to. But then after that service is over, don't you think it would be nice to remember that all of sin had come short of the glory of God? I mean, wouldn't it be nice just to work on ourselves? We need to quit trying to fix each other especially when people aren't asking for it. You and I don't have what it takes to fix people. And honestly, don't you have enough problems of your own? Maybe after the service, we should just let the world know and show that we are Christians by our love. Now, that doesn't mean we excuse sin. It doesn't mean anything goes. But it does mean that you have to give people space so that it's just them and God and not them and you. Now, if you are struggling with a habit, please get some help. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your doctor. Talk to someone you can trust. And if you don't have that, well, come to our website and sign up for the Discover Bible School. We can put you in touch with people who actually care. They might not have all the answers. They might let you down from time to time. But you will have someone who cares. And that means something. You don't have to go this alone. God has all sorts of people who are not only willing to help, they have lived through the same thing. They're not perfect. They're plugging their way through life like you are, but they have seen firsthand how God can help. But the really important thing right now, make the decision to step up and claim this rich, full life that God is offering you. I have come to set the captives free, Jesus said, which means that his gift really can be yours. I'm Sean Boonstra. Thanks for listening to The Voice of Prophecy. 
Are you searching for answers to life's most difficult questions? Answers to help you make sense of the things that are happening right now in your life? Answers to the deepest questions in life like, can God really forgive me? Guilt and shame can be terrible burdens to carry and can leave us wondering if God really can love us and accept us. Are you wondering if there really is a chance for true happiness in this life? If there is a secret to living a happy, contented life in a world of uncertainty? Well, if you're searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions, we are here to help. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7922, for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions and log on today to BibleStudies.com.